Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network as we come to you for another 24 recap. Not a recap talking about 24 things, it's talking about the TV show 24. Not that I'm thinking you'd be watching this thinking we're recapping 24 things, but maybe you're stupid and you've thought we're a different show instead and you're listening to this crap. I don't know. We're into episode five of season one, 4am to 5am. This first aired on the 11th of December, 2001. It was written by Chip Johansson and it was directed by Winrich Colby, the esteemed Winrich Colby. First non-Stephen Hopkins. The uh, No, you are incorrect. That was episode four last week. Ah. Uh, but good, good try. non-Stephen Hopkins. Colin, <laughs> good try. Um, there's plenty to talk about this episode. I actually enjoy this episode. Uh, my name is Edward Johnson, and I'm going to do this episode if that's, like, you know, okay. And my name is Colin, and you're either dead or you're not dead. There's no such thing as sort of dead. Here, let me show you. Oh, no, Colin's going to kill me. Um, <laughs> You didn't even put your hand up like a gun, like you were going to kill me. Here, let there, me show you. There you go. I figured I'd get arrested for, you know, a gun gesture. I often get arrested if I go up to people and go, here, let me show you. But that's a different story <laughs> altogether. Um, 4am to 5am, Colin. Um, we're fresh off a bin, if I'm not mistaken. No, well, I changed your mind from a bin. Uh, you initially <laughs> No, no you didn't it. change my mind from a bin. I, I binned last week. No, I think, didn't I persuade you into a rent? Because you... No, you, your you, rankings? you bumped, you bumped up the previous episode from a rent to a buy. Right. Last week was definitely a bin. I want to bin it again just because of how binnable it was. I think I think basically I, I, I made you rank it below the one that you didn't. Anyway, um, I personally, I didn't bin last week. I rented last week, but I actually enjoyed this episode. This episode maybe is not, you know, again, the most action-packed, memorable episode you're ever going to have of 24, but... I was actually uh, very much on the edge of my seat in this episode, and I think I was really taken back to when I first watched this episode and remembering a lot of the things in this episode that kind of... I think this is one of those episodes where I, I really started to fall in love with the show. I think you maybe mentioned that you're getting to that point where this is where you were starting to fall in love with the show, but this is one of those episodes to me where it was kind of like that because there's enough intrigue in this episode to keep me really hooked. There's really only one or two things I didn't like in this episode, and we've discussed it at great length before, uh, Keith Palmer. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> other than that, really nothing to complain about. I mean, 
uh, Alan York and Terry are kind of just at a standstill at the hospital, uh, which is good. It's very Jack focused. Uh, Jack is about as absurd and uh, rogue as he will ever be for almost no reason whatsoever. And uh, we get lots of uh, Mr. Future Academy Award nominee John Hawks here, which is great because uh, I completely forgot. I mentioned last week that John Hawks was even part of the show. And then when I started seeing it, I'm like, oh, I thought that he had a bigger role in this. Well, this is the bigger role that I was excited about. Uh, no, I, I definitely like this episode much better than last week. I, I will even say that, like, as much as the key stuff annoys the crap out of me for the most part, the, the key stuff to me is almost intriguing this episode. Like, because I think it's really good acting from particularly from mm. Dennis Haysbert. So, um, and Valacious Shannon. Oh, <laughs> what do I call him? Valacious, yeah. Valacious. He's so valacious <laughs> when he's laying in bed watching the tube. Look how valacious he <laughs> yes, is. Yes, the tube on. <laughs> Falling asleep to the tube because that's how oh, cool Oh, he's judging he is. Amy Marathon. <laughs> um, so the thing that I love about the beginning of this episode, and again, we, we realise that the real-time format is a gimmick and we realise that we're probably every week just making fun of it because realistically it's not realistic and we we have to give it a pass because it's something fresh right like this is what drew us into this show it's the real-time format and it keeps it interesting but i flicked back to the the previous episode colin's favorite and janet was picked up at 3 37 a.m it is now 4.02 a.m. She's already prepped for surgery, cleaned up. She's had like three x-rays done, two x-rays done. They know exactly what's ready to go and she's already boomed straight into it. Now, they haven't even gotten consent for this surgery because they call her a Jane Doe. They haven't even tried to call a parent. Um... And yet, all of a sudden, she's completely, like, you look at her, she's got the gown on, she's got the, the hair net on, she's all clean and ready to go. There's, like, five surgeons who are just ready to go at 4 a.m. in downtown Los Angeles. I mean, we just literally saw, like, shootings and people getting blowjobs and just, like, the <laughs> the worst deplorable part of the world, essentially, in Los Angeles. And yet, these doctors are bored. They've just gotten a random girl to, like, pick up. It it gets better, too, though, because if you remember, it took 37 minutes for that ambulance to get there, but less than 23 for it to get to the hospital. And, and I love to visualize now that they're like, we have a report of uh, a hit and run, a woman dying in the middle of the street. And like, oh, that's the blowjob area. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get a muffin first. <laughs> and Terry and Alan York get there even quicker, don't they? Like they yeah. were there like ten minutes after it got picked up, but they're already there. Um, again, like I get it. You you can't be completely. Mm. This is the thing that when I was you, really really into this show, and I'd be buying books and all this kind of stuff, and you would read complaints about it. You know, oh, this is bullshit. You can't get there. You can't get there. And you're like, well, let it slide and. I want to let it slide, but it's also our job to be nitpicky assholes and try and be funny. So um, we're going to go with the latter because <laughs> we're hilarious. Um, and also, it is the start of a new episode. It is 2001. People are going to forget stuff happened a week before, right? Yeah. So um, I do love this hospital, though. 
I love it when I, I do love a good hospital scene when people come running in and are like, you know, my daughter was hit. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. Then you got all like jerk hospital staff are all busy. And, you know, you know, this is why you watch ER, right? To see the good side of the doctors, right? They're not all us. <laughs> they're just very busy. Like this woman, she's like on the phone. Like, no, I'm, I'll be with you in just a moment. Like this isn't Walmart. You don't answer the phone first for a customer. Like I, I remember when I worked retail, it was like, if you answer the phone, you are serving that person on the phone and you tell the customer generally, like you either politely say to the person on the phone, like, oh, I'll be with you in a moment if there's a customer. And there's a protocol, right? This is a hospital, not not Walmart. And then I also love Dick Doctor. Who show, I mean, in a way, he's not really a dick because he's kind of right. Like he kind of shows up and he's like, oh, I just got here. It's 4 a.m. Like, like, let me get my coffee. <laughs> like, where's my daughter? My daughter's been hit by a car. My baby, my baby, my, my baby. baby, my baby. <laughs> Um, and then eventually, like, and then this woman is just so just, like, blase. Like, again, they're not doing anything. This isn't ER at, like, you know, midnight Chicago, everyone's being shot. There's literally a woman there at the desk on a phone going, oh, yeah, uh uh-huh, I'll be with you in a minute. Uh Uh-huh. Like, if this is this dead. So so what are you wearing? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, we'll go to the blowjob district later and I'll I'll see what it's known for. Um, like... What what are they like? I'm sure this is the only patient they've got. Clearly, if they can get three X-rays, yeah. five staff on board, and everything ready to go, like just simply look. I'm up looking for phone. a teenage girl. Yeah. Teenage girl. <laughs> Did we have any of those come in? Oh, try the only patient that we have in the OR. And I also love I love the whole fact that when she eventually breaks through the door, it's like you can't go in there. What does that ever achieve in movies and TV shows? The you can't go in there when you're not going to stop them. Like literally, and I hate being a teenage girl by saying that all the time. She says, you can't go in there. Hey, stop. Terry walks in, looks through a window. That woman's still at the desk on the phone to the boyfriend. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, she couldn't go in there, but fuck it, I can't be bothered. So what are you wearing again? (laughs) This hospital is just a, a fudge pudge of just everything that just don't do anything right. Um, also it's, it's interesting watching this again, Richard Berge, Alan York, the reveals next week, people, I looked ahead. It's definitely next week. I keep teasing you every single week. Oh, wait till you see what happens with Alan York. Um, good acting, good, good, not just from Richard Mm. Berge, but from Alan York. (laughs) (laughs) Alan York's so good. He could play Jack Bauer, not just Richard Berge. (laughs) Uh, in in this episode, I might actually just lump all the Terry stuff in right now because, like, I Go feel it. it's like the least important thing of the season. I mean, the episode. Um, <laughs> so basically, the whole episode revolves around Terry pacing around a hospital, worried because she doesn't know where Kimberly is. Not just Kim, Kimberly. Uh, she calls Jack a couple of times. I, I do love when um, Jack is basically like, you know. Damn it, Terry! I'm I'm trying to find her. Like, speak to Janet. Is she out of surgery? At one point, Terry <laughs> says yes, uh, and I don't know if that she? she she does. I I noted that down because then I was like, at the end of the episode when Janet's dying, like, wait, isn't she out of surgery? Um, and I think that's just Terry just ignoring Jack. But like when Terry like basically goes off at Jack, you're trying to find Kim. I don't see you around here trying to find Kim. Jesus, Terry! Like I know you're stressed, but like your husband's Jack Bauer. <laughs> Like, he's not he's not Colin down the office like flirting with a somebody and Jamie getting wait, a bit wait, jealous. Wait. Colin is down at the office flirting with somebody. What? Sorry, other way around. It's not Jamie down at the office <laughs> flirting with someone and Colin getting a bit jealous. 
Like, you know, he's literally out there saving David Palmer and the world, you know, calm down. Although, um, in all fairness, there is the whole Nina thing, and the last couple times he talked to her is, sorry, I gotta go, Nina's on the other line. True, okay, I, I will take that. Yes, you are right, he has fucked Nina, um, as has everyone else in that office, apparently. Uh, <laughs> it's a character, it's the character, like, uh, literally, literally, God, what am I, 17? Um... <laughs> Fifth episode in, and we've found out Nina's been with two of the guys in the office. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just calling a spade a spade. <laughs> and like, we'll marry another one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and can we also just point out... Jack's Nina not ex- took this character, like, very seriously. Yeah, yeah. And Jack's not exactly innocent either. Jack also has slept with two people. Well, well, one's not <laughs> in the office. But, like, still, you know, come on. So... And there Jack- were always rumours about him and Walsh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and him and Tony. Ooh. <laughs> That's uh, down in the blowjob district. <laughs> the blowjob four a.m. <laughs> I feel like this is James Bond. We should be having the sex count going on. I, I wanted. To, I really wanted to run the damn it count in this episode because Jack doesn't say it, but every other character says damn it in this episode. Um, Alan York to the rescue. I'm not going to leave you until we find Kim. Um, the one thing that I don't really fully understand is. Well, I do what I don't. It's kind of like the writers have gone out of their way now that they've got a full season to play with to kind of, they've gone, oh, remember in the first episode when Kim was shitty at Terry? Let's explain that by the (laughs) fact that she failed at algebra. And it's like, well, wasn't that already explained in the pilot when you basically say, is she still mad at you or something like that because of the, the, the split up? And now they've gone into extra explanation. Like, I feel like they've retconned something that didn't need to be retconned because it was actually already explained. I don't know if you mm-hmm. picked up on that. Yes. Uh, I, well, it felt awkward when she was like, you know, she she didn't even want to acknowledge me before she went to bed. I completely missed the algebra thing. But it was like, hey, here's a reminder. How can you miss Terry the algebra thing? This is 2001, Colin. She got not one, but two letters in the mail saying that she's failing algebra. Now, look, neither of us are American. Neither of us grew up in LA. But is this how the school system works in America? Like, you're failing algebra. Oh, wait, we didn't get acknowledgement. Let's send another letter. You're failing algebra. And is that enough for a mother yeah. to be like, grrr, shame on my teenage girl who's clearly not good at math for in failing algebra? And look at how wasteful they are, paper too. It would have taken one phone call to Terry say, "Hey, Kim is failing algebra." What? <laughs> like I, I remember in grade eleven when, um, you know, that's when they introduced the whole text message. Like, if you missed class, you would your parents would get a text message. Like that was kind of the thing, right? Um, the difference is, is that my school wasn't exactly that smart in the fact that they didn't realize people could give fake phone numbers or that <laughs> you could easily forge your parents' signature and go to the office and go, yeah, um, my mum's phone number changed. This is it. And a letter from her literally gave them my <laughs> phone number. Uh, so <laughs> wasn't that hard. Um, but yeah, like 2001 LA, we've got blowjob streets, um, people getting run over and laying in there and, and very concerned teachers about algebra failings like other classes no it's it's like oh english eh, she's failing english we guess spanish eh, it's fine things that she might actually need but algebra (laughs) not algebra i mean colin i'm 33 years old i've never used algebra once in my life i i remember algebra uh (laughs) i don't know why kim's doing this when she's what 17 though because i 
at least here in Canada, where we're intelligent. Yeah. Uh, they taught it in like seventh grade. <laughs> you learn algebra watching the hockey. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, a leaf score, and that's one plus a equals seven b. <laughs> that's your weekly lesson. I'm Don Cherry. Uh, <laughs> that's how it happened. I've been here for how many months, and I know that. Like it's just it's straight away. Um, and and the big like. The big cliffhanger for this episode is, no, Janet might die. (laughs) Like, I don't know why that's the cliffhanger because, like, it should be Dan getting killed because that, to me, is the shocking part of this episode, right? Shocking, stunning. Um, But, like, they end this on, no, Janet might die. And, like, this just to me is the – I swear the writers are trolling Janet. Like, I swear to God. Yeah. That, that we've pointed this out that like Janet is just like in a dryer or a washing machine of constant torture. The poor girl. Like I, I, I really want to remember her as maybe the most tortured character for no reason in the history of 24. It's just like, let's just bash her up every week because Janet. And here they are like, oh, let's make the audience believe that she's important enough that we're going to care if she's going to die. Like, I, I forgot Janet was a thing by the second half of this episode. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Janet. I'm like, oh, no, Janet might die. What a, what a shame. Cliffhangers this season haven't been that great except for no. last ep- last week. But they are going to get better, people. So I don't know if you've got anything to add on the whole Terry Allen storyline. <laughs> Do you have anything to add on the whole Terry Allen storyline? Nope. All right, moving, moving on. on. <laughs> Not algebra, Kim. Don't fail algebra. <laughs> Your father is Jack Bauer. He can't have a daughter who fails algebra. I actually looked up during the week... Um, a little bit more about uh, Kim's relationship in, uh, not Kim, sorry, uh, Alicia Cuthbert's relationship in real life. You know, the celebrity couple with her and uh, what's his face. And Beyond. Thank you. And apparently uh, she dated another NHL player. And then apparently when she started dating her now husband, that uh, previous NHL player basically came out and was all like, Basically, um, yeah, he's having my sloppy seconds. And he then got banned from the NHL for like a week because the commissioner was like, that's disgusting. You shouldn't speak about people uh, like that. You know that. what? I remember that now that you say that. Yeah. Dion story. Uh, I, I think I just think it's hilarious that like she has a type and it's hockey players. But then I remember she's Canadian. Uh, Leslie Hope probably banged a bunch of hockey players. I guarantee Kiefer Sutherland banged like all of uh, the Vancouver Canucks throughout the course of the season. Well, well, Kiefer Sutherland's granddad is the greatest Canadian ever. He can have access to whoever, whoever he wants. Wayne Gretzky was just breakfast. Like, <laughs> granddad, I'm horny. Get me a hockey player. Would you like Wayne Gretzky, sir? Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, so he was date. Uh, Alicia Cuthbert was dating um, Sean Avery. And uh, who had dated Cuthbert in the past, commented on how other NHL players, such as Svanoff, as well as Los Angeles Kings center Jarrett Stoll, who was dating model Rachel, Rachel Hunter, another ex-girlfriend, fell in love with his sloppy seconds. NHL Commissioner <laughs> Gary Bettman referred to the remarks as disgusting and subsequently suspended Avery six games. The Stars later cut ties with the players. This is in, like, 2008, before this was a thing. Like... You know that this is—they were well ahead of the game. The NHL, good for them for stamping down on players calling twenty-four actors sloppy seconds. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, they have a child together. Good for them. Um, Which one, Avery or Fnuff? Uh, Fnuff. <laughs> if it's and, Avery, maybe and, his comments were justified. And Cuthbert, they've been married for quite some time. And, of course, uh, for those who have no idea who Mr. Fnuff is, he played for both Colin and my teams, Calgary and yep. Toronto, and, unfortunately, the Ottawa Senators. So <laughs> I was uh, going to say, just don't even mention the Senators. <laughs> Nobody does, Colin. It's okay. Uh, I'm joining. I'm. They are Canada's Columbus Blue Jackets, the team that people mm-hmm. forget are a thing. Seriously, I actually do seriously forget Ottawa are a thing. Anyway, let's get into the real part of this episode. Um, Jack Bauer. Uh, he's driving around like a madman. He's he's following um, our Academy Award guy in in the cop. Car. Didn't he? Like, I don't get this. Last week. He left like the cliffhanger was, you know, if you want to see your daughter and that again, you know, break me out. So he gets in a car and fucking speeds like the clappers, right? Now he's just casually driving down Highway 7 behind the cop car. How did the cop cars get ahead of him? (laughs) Shouldn't they be the ones speeding? Yeah, like they should be chasing after Jack because he's got freaking CTU after him. So anyway, um, we've also got uh, Rick and Dan with Ira. I love, like, Gaines is like, I forget how good Gaines is. Oh, like, yeah. Gaines is great. Like, I, I love Gaines in this episode. Um, also, Dan becomes a bit of a bitch this episode. Like, <laughs> there's a reason behind it, I guess, but I kind of just like him here when he's just, you know, like, uh, yes, Mr. Gaines, absolutely, Mr. Gaines. We'll follow you there, Mr. Gaines. And then Rick standing up to him like, come on, dude, let's just split. And it's like, no, man, we got some money. We're going to go get our cash. And it's like, no, dude, we're going to let it go. It's like, remember, remember Phoenix last month? You owe me. No, get the car. <laughs> just just wait for the backstory on Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, I, I want the Rick and Dan origin story, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is begging for a TV show. Um, We're back at the Palmer campaign headquarters because we always need to have a giant subtitle, don't we, saying Palmer <laughs> ha- campaign. Why do we constantly have to keep seeing that? Like, I don't understand, but okay. Um, also, can I just point out, Dan and Rick, they're only getting paid 20K, 20 large. That's it. Between both of them. They're, they're splitting that. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, they're only kidnapping someone. And this is probably why Gaines hired them because they're just lackey teenage dudes, right? Like they're going to, I mean, fuck, if I'm 18 and they told me to kidnap a girl, I'd do it for free. So uh, they're only kidnapping a girl. Leave out the fact that they have to sort of kill another girl. Yeah, break her arm. Yeah, Dan got lucky, and we know how good Dan's dick is. So, you know. It's yeah, you know what? Like, 20K, that's a steal. Yeah, his bargain. Gaines was ripped off. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we're at Palmer headquarters. Again, if you didn't know that, subtitles on the screen. Um, Nicole's up. She's going to make mochas. Oh, boy. <laughs> now, so, Keith likes tube and she likes her mochas I, I like this this is this has always been the problem to me about this season's timeline is and this is why i'm assuming the writers scrapped doing a midnight to midnight season because yeah it gets it makes sense like this is literally the only time you've got a full day in terms of the fact that you don't have two calendar days right but the problem you always have in this is the over-explanation of people sleeping and not sleeping. And again, we're in the first season. It's it's a novelty, the real-time factor, because remember watching this and you'd read like, oh, but you never see him go to the toilet. And like, oh, they never <laughs> eat. And But like you, you've legitimately got like characters in this season who are who are, you would almost say are up for basically two days rather than one. We've all mm-hmm. stayed, we've all pulled an all-nighter before. And you all know that when you get to a certain time, you kind of fall off a cliff, right? 
And this is a season where, I mean, Palmer's a workaholic. Sherry's a workaholic. They've probably been up since 5 a.m. already the day before. So, like, they're already basically up for 24 hours at this point while we're making mochas. Um, <laughs> so, it's kind of like they, they go out of their way to be like, Nicole, where she's like, why aren't you sleeping? I'm up. Like, <laughs> like I love it. She's just, they're so, like, you know, into the politics of the world, aren't they? Palmer's children, like... Is this a thing too? Like, were you into, like, as much as your dad was at, like, as a kid? Like, my dad's a painter. Like, I respect my dad for paying for my life as a kid and, like, putting food on the table. Like, that was his job. That was his profession. But I'm not 17 while my dad's getting up for work at four in the morning. Dad, I'm up. Let's run over the numbers. So, like, if you buy this paint... Like, you could paint three rooms quicker than you could paint four, man. Want some mochas? Like, like, what is this? Like, I get it. Your dad's going to be president, but I didn't see Obama's children on the campaign trail. Like, Dad, you can pump some numbers. The Bush children were off getting drunk. Donald Trump's children probably were, but that's just because they're Donald Trump's children. They're expecting that their dad's going to die halfway through the term and they're going to take over because they don't realise how it works. So, I mean, like... Just making mochas and crunching numbers, just like, because dad wants me to. I don't uh, know. Yeah. Um, Nicole, not the greatest character in 24. And again, don't get attached to her. You'll never see her again at the end of this season. <laughs> so she's making mochas. Dad's concerned. Um, Sherry basically tells, you know, don't bring this up. She's so happy right now. Of course she's happy. She's got mochas. She's making mochas. And her, her dad's running for president. It's all a teenage girl wants. Um, so, yeah, we get a back and forth between them. Great. Um, Nina <laughs> still can't access the system. I, I do love, is this where Nina, like, speaks to Jack and basically um, Jack's like, Mason's still giving you shit over there. And then he's like, oh, no, he's gone. As soon as he found out <laughs> where you are, she, he's gone. Life's back to normal here at CTU. <laughs> just another half an hour gone because of a <laughs> random lockdown. And then It was so, just the lockdown, Jack. Come on. N- Nina's locked out still, but Tony's not. Um, and then Tony goes from, we've got to get Jack Bauer out of here. This guy's under out of control to, oh, are you still angry at me because of the lockdown? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Tony's really strange at the beginning of this season. I forgot oh, how, is he ever? how it takes for his character to to get to a point. Um, because they've got to get a number for like the police liaison at Division to help Jack get access to a. Pri- I'm it's sorry. not Division here either. It's District. Oh, District. Right. Yeah. Sorry. The other Division. Like, <laughs> don't the feds have jurisdiction over cops in an investigation anyway? Like, Mm -hmm. does the FBI need to call up somebody at district or division to be like, Frank over here needs to give you the okay? Like, it's the feds. It's federal. (laughs) This is a federal investigation. Like, is CTU that unknown that they have to, like, prove they're real? Like, (laughs) cop who died, read a badge in three seconds, and I'm going to work with you. CTU, what's that? Counterterrorism meter. Okay. But like this is this is we talked a lot about this in um in our third watch coverage. There was an episode where they had FBI agents involved, and it's just the trope, isn't it? If you're in a cop show, they hate the feds. Like oh, the feds get they just get in the way. Like uh, we're cops, grr. Whereas this is the other way around. Like the feds, ah, uh, the cops get in our way. We're feds, grr. Like I just I just want a show where it's like teaming up the feds and the cops, their best buddies. Yeah, <laughs> like. 
They like to get their mochas and watch the tube. <laughs> Crunching numbers. If we win Orange County, we're still going to win the presidency. Yeah. Off to the blowjob district. <laughs> Alan York. Um, <laughs> how any good song should end in 2001. Yeah. Alan York. Hey, I just noticed uh, Jurassic Park 3 came out in 2001. It was the year of Alan. Was 2001. Oh, Alan. Year of Alan. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you that was the number one baby name of 2001 was Alan. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Nina's trying to get Mr. Boss Man to get Jack access to a prisoner. Jack, through the power of persuasiveness, because he's Jack. And I'll be honest with you, if Keeper Sutherland's talking to me like this, I'm doing whatever the fuck he wants. Um, we've got hard as nut, you know, lieutenant, sergeant guy here, like, Damn it, son, my officer was killed today. And I do also love, like, Jack's like, the officer that was killed tonight, did you know her? And he's like, yes, I did. She obviously worked at this precinct if her partner's here, so I'm guessing the lieutenant sergeant knows. To he's like, oh, what was her name? Uh, Jenny. No, we've lost three today. I, I never met her. <laughs> and also, I just want to point out, this is a precinct where a cop has just died. Now, cops... Getting killed, as we know, is generally like another cop. He's going like, girl, you killed a cop. We're going to like fucking beat the shit out of you. Again, Hollywood taught me that, right? That's all I know. Any other cop show, like I mean, they're, they're kind of pushing off this poor cop's death as if this is an occurrence every hour. Because this partner that we're going to meet soon is like, you know, that cop was killed. That was my partner. <laughs> he's fucking fine, mate. Like he's just walking around the giving out key cards. And this guy should be taken off the job. He should be sent home. He needs counselling. Like, like I'm with Jack in this episode when he's like, where were you when your partner was shot? Like, this guy doesn't give a fuck about that his partner. That was my first thought. Like, if your partners, you're together. Was yeah. he late that day? And, like, loyalty with cops and kind of you band together with them, you get to know partners after a while. He just pushes his... Everyone in this cop shop is fine. They're all like, girl, this guy killed a cop. You can't talk to him, Jack. If this guy killed a cop, he is being wailed on in a cell. This is 2001 Los Angeles where you can't even get, you know, walk down a street without getting hit by a car and a blowjob. Like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> the cops have free reign here. Like, they're going to be bashing the crap out of this guy. You know why, Colin? It's because he's white. 2001 <laughs> racist cops. Like, if this guy was black, he'd be dead by now. Well, so, the partner was black and she is dead. Exactly. Right. That's why they're okay. Racist. Listen, it wasn't a white cop. It's yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so Jack gets permission through the persuasion of Keeper Sutherland to go in and talk to our prisoner. But no, George Mason shows up. Like, Hold it. He's under my jurisdiction. This is just one of those little moments, actually, though, that, like, in all seriousness, it, like, is quite tense. Like, because you kind of, like, the way they even play the music, and they're like, Dun! You're like, oh, fuck, George is there. Like, Jesus, what is he, a, a cab driver or something? No, no, cab driver, ambulance driver. <laughs> cab driver. <laughs> um, I see, I actually really like the, the Xander Berkeley Keith Sutherland scenes in this episode where it's kind oh, of you know, the so interrogation good. room. And one thing I've got to say about Jack Bauer, love him. One of my favorite all-time television characters is Jack Bauer. I have to call him out in season one right now. I am saying... At the end of this season, when it comes to big reveals about plot twists and characters who are moles, Jack's got himself to blame. He trusts people way too easily. He's gone from just not trusting George and shooting him in the leg to within five minutes, oh, by the way, George, there are moles inside CTU, but I trust you now. 
At mm. what point has Jack Bauer decided to cha- trust George Mason? Like, there's at nothing that's happened in this episode for him to do that. And at what point has Mason decided he's going to trust Jack after Jack injected him and almost tortured him for no reason whatsoever? George had a lockdown. He stopped important government business, stopping the assassination attempt of a future president of the United States. Who's not a fan of the agency, though. Not a well, true. That that's excusable. This is the first episode that Jack Bauer legitimately does something in which he should be brought up on, like, possible charges. Mm -hmm. He breaks out a prisoner from a police station (laughs) to which when he gets caught, George is like, okay, you can go. Like, prior to this, it was, you were in a building where other agents got shot. You must be responsible. Lockdown. Now it's, you broke a prisoner out of prison. Oh, they were involved in an investigation, were they? Oh, you're fine. (laughs) The consistency of division slash district slash George Mason. Um, yeah, Jack Bauer's literally done something bad this episode, you know. And A couple now- of times. Cause he's like, just let me go in and uh, question the suspect. <laughs> Tell me what I need to know. Banging him against the wall. Everything the cops should be doing, considering he just killed a cop. And then they're like, no, 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 come on. Go take a break, Jack. And then he goes in and does it again. And I'm like, Jack, come on. I'm asking you nicely for the second time. I kick him out of there. And that's what's so funny. Jack Bauer is the star of this episode, though, because you're really getting this level of what Jack's willing to do. But I actually really love that, the way they kind of like, Jack literally just goes in and it's like, you know, sir, let me talk to him like I was with your co- your partner. And basically, give me a name. I want my lawyer. Damn it, give me your name. <laughs> It's like shaking him. It's like, this is what the cops should be doing, for fuck's sake. They just kill one of your own, and they're just <laughs> blase letting him just sit there and talk to federal agents. Um, yes. Uh, I also do love Jack's line of, you know, damn it, let me go in and talk to him. I'll even give him a badge of my gun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A We've gun- been waiting for that. <laughs> gun, I understand, because you don't want to take a gun into a suspect room. What's he going to do? Like, is this just a thing in Los Angeles? Suspects getting beaten around the head by cops' badges? Like, why does he need his badge? Look, you can give me your gun, but you must give me your badge too, because I've seen what you can do with a badge, Jack. You threw it at our <laughs> yeah, exactly. cop and she got shot. Like, clearly this guy's going to die. Um... I'm kind of lumping different things into different bits here. So I might as well just stick to the jack jackness here and rather than going in chronological stick upstarted. Stick to the jackness. Stick to the jackness. <laughs> the, the stuff we're watching in this episode. Um, so through his kind of, you know, bashing up of the prisoner, he gives him a note. Uh, we've got this guy. Oh, damn it, I want my phone call. <laughs> like, these oh. phones are monitored, people. Like, like some guy. If fucking Tony can get a transcription of Jack and Nina within three seconds. Uh, like somebody's on the other end of that phone. This guy rings up Jack and it's all like, "I, you need to get me out of here. I can't, t- you know, if there's a phone call happening in 20 minutes, you need to get me out of here. As outlandish as it is, and let's be honest, all the badass Jack stuff that happens in all of these seasons is completely ridiculous. But this is why you come to watch 24. And this is episode five where we're getting hooked on this show that Jack Bauer is willing to break a prisoner out of jail just to get what he wants. And, you know, we saw a glimmer of it, him chopping a dead person's thumb off. This is Jack Bauer to a T. Jack Bauer will do anything to save the country, basically. And, yeah, you might argue that 
he's here, he's being selfish because he's only caring about the fact that this guy knows about his daughter being missing. So admittedly, you're like, well, Jack's being a bit selfish here, but I think it's important for his character to show that he is willing to do anything for the job at hand. And, uh, you know, this is by far not the worst he will do in eight seasons. He's breaking a mm-hmm. prisoner out of, you know, prison, essentially. So the next time he goes in, he basically bashes a cop to get the key card to then give to the guy. And as you said before, they're basically just like giving him a warning. Like this guy is like... For the dra- second time. And as they're dragging the lieutenant guy, or the sergeant, he's the worst sergeant lieutenant that he's a cop because he's just basically like, he's so calm. He's like, damn it, Bow, you need to get yourself in line. <laughs> like, he's just assaulted one of your own officers. Um, but also like... I do love this cop, like the, the shit partner, who's basically like, yes, she was my partner. And then when, like, Jack starts ragging on this guy and then shoves this other cop, the cop's like, didn't you hear me? She was my partner. It's like, is that all you fucking say, mate? Like, <laughs> oh, Anyway, so basically Jack breaks this guy out, drives him to a payphone, um, it's not a, it's not the payphone. Like they're trying to trace it. I do love 2001 technology. They can just fucking whack on to a, a satellite. They can track anyone. Uh, computers beep your favorite trope from the late nineties. Computers are going yeah. <laughs> when they've got satellites. I mean, we all know how amazing satellite technology is, right? That they're literally pointing at every human being on the planet and they can find them. And this is 2001 internet people. I don't even know how much cable and broadband was a thing in 2001. I still had fucking dial-up. Like, I was still, you know, I was on like 56k kilobytes a second. And yet they can just transfer things straight away. So, Jesus, CTU had great internet in 2001. Um, They can't trace the call because it's a cell phone. Uh, It is Gaines. He's saying to dispose of a body in a car with Nevada plates. I'd never noticed before, Colin, the car that Gaines is in has Nevada plates. And I I realized the the big thing is like Kim's in the trunk, right? So that's kind of the who's in Mm -hmm. the trunk. But the the level of detail there actually I thought was really good. The fact that Gaines's car had Nevada plates. I'd never noticed that before until this episode. Um, and that, like, that's one of these things in this episode that, like, is tense and, like, it intrigues you because you know Kim's in the trunk. If you paid attention like I did, you know it's got Nevada plates. There's a body in the trunk. Dispose of it. So you're like, holy fuck. I'll, I'll tell you what, I would have given massive props to this fucking show. Not that I don't already. If they had killed Kim off in, like, four episodes. Like, yeah, wow, they would have had some balls. Um, so they go to this car. It's not Kim. It's a, it's a man's body. I love how, like, Jack's kind of relieved, like, oh, fuck, it's just a naked man. Um, That's not Kim. That's a man. <laughs> bit awesome powers. Um, <laughs> and then Mason shows up and, yep, yeah, Jack's fine. You, you, you can go do your civil duty to the United States, Jack, by finding out who this body is. And Jack just drives off in the car and he's going to take a dead body to CTU to get it identified. <laughs> so that's the Jack storyline. Anything to add on that? Because I think the, the oh. other storylines that I haven't covered, I think we can wrap up pretty quickly. Couple of things. So I, when I said at the beginning that this is the most absurd Jack's been, uh, it might be the most absurd he will ever be because we get this Jack's going to go rogue. Jack's going to do these extreme things because it's the only way he can accomplish his goal. But here it just feels so rushed. It's like, why is your first thought, I'm going to pretend to assault this prisoner stuff a piece of paper into his mouth, hope that he knows what this is going to mean. Like Jack has no reason to believe that 
John Hawks here is going to go along with this or even know what he's doing. So if I'm John Hawks and I have just killed this cop and I'm in a police station with a bunch of other cops that want my head and I got this CTU guy that for whatever reason I decided to tell him, hey, your daughter is going to die unless you do what we say. I'm not going to assume that if he starts slamming me against the wall and shove something into my mouth, that it's not like, I don't know, cyanide or something. Like he should be like, this guy just put a piece of paper in my mouth. What is this? Like, he just goes along with it. And I don't understand why. It could have just, ju- just been coincidental. He could have just been like, oh, fuck, I need to get out of this. Uh, if you want to know who your daughter is, you've got to keep me alive. How did you know my well, daughter? <laughs> fuck, that worked. Um, oh, just get me out of here. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're going to be a few more episodes in and we're going to find out Jack just has a thing with shoving things in people's mouths. Uh, let's not have no blowjob district jokes here, though, please. But um, this, his, his, his entire plot here his premise really is just stretching it but i love it uh because yeah. it is jack bauer it's just maybe i need jack bauer the little bit more reason it's the same thing when he suddenly is like okay i'll trust you mason i'll start telling you all this and then he doesn't even give mason the chance to say listen this guy has information about the presidential assassination and my daughter maybe he doesn't want to mention his daughter because it's like conflict of interest you're off the case give me a badge and a gun <laughs> but Still, he has information about the presidential assassination and he's only going to talk to me and we need to get him to this payphone. Just try it or call Nina and say, this is what's going on. I'm just going to go rogue for no reason whatsoever and risk that when they do catch you, they're going to arrest you, which why didn't they arrest him? You broke a prisoner out of prison, put him in cuffs at the end of this episode. But like these guys are so passive, this this blowjob district uh, police force. They're just, oh, yeah, you know what? He he assaulted a prisoner technically three times because he did it at the end of the last episode. We're going to keep giving him chances even after he breaks this guy out of prison. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, but, uh, no, it's so much fun to watch him be Jack, though, that I can't really complain. Uh, the Palmer storyline. <laughs> so uh, I haven't even got to the rest of that, but if you want to get it over and done with, go for it. Well, I, I want to I get your opinion on something. I mean, Really, what it comes down to is Keith, Nicole, they're only there to essentially give Palmer something to do until he gets really brought into the assassination plot. It's to keep him part of the show. But I feel like if this were any other season but season one, they wouldn't have cared. They would have said, let's keep this guy a mystery. Maybe we'll show one shot of him at midnight just so you know who he is. And then let's wait for the reveal at five, six in the morning. Mm. And we probably wouldn't dislike the story so much if it wasn't so much filler, but to have filler this early in the season, I kind of thought about let's wait to reveal Palmer until a couple episodes in. And I think that the show would have worked better by doing that. Uh, I mean, I see it. I definitely see it. But at the same time, look, as much as it is kind of pointless storyline, we just get this with Palmer almost every season. Like there's, there's some sort of political, you know, story going on. Personal said, drama. Yeah, like, he's got to be involved in it somehow. Uh, and, like, yeah, I, 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 I get what you're saying, but at the same time, like, Dennis Haysbert is so good in this episode that I'm glad we get it. And, again, it's also character development. Again, we're in the first season. We're learning more about it. And, like, at this point when we're watching this, we don't know that this is going to go nowhere. Like, I actually remember season two being pretty annoyed that Keith and Nicole didn't come back because it's, like, it's it's not that I cared for them. It's just like when you when you bring in children and they're that important, like they're very important to Palmer, as we're going to get in this season, as to the lengths yeah. he's going to go to to prevent this story from coming out. That's the point. 
you legitimately forget about them in the next season just because he's the president. Spoiler alert, he becomes president, he wins. Um, so, um, do we just spoil this season that clearly he doesn't die in this season? Oh, what a, <laughs> what a you know, sorry. Um, but yeah, like, I, I definitely, that would have been an interesting take for it. But then I think you kind of take away from the characters. I mean, Dennis Haysbert's one of only, what, like four or five people in the season who's a star of the season, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I see it, but I don't but, know. I'm, I'm still, but, as much as the storyline is kind of shitty, uh, I still am kind of glad we've got it to get. Because also to me, without this storyline, we don't get Sherry being Sherry. And that to me yeah. is the payoff to me. And also I think it works for Palmer. Like when you see him be the Palmer we love, I think we know a lot about why he is, how he is, and how caring of a person he is, which connects to him being a caring president. And I think mm-hmm. maybe if we didn't have that level to him in this season, you, you're maybe not going to get that. Yeah, I think there's things that they made work out of it, but I'm, I'm, I still think you could have found a way to make this work by just waiting for a couple episodes. This is just the 2001 thing because um, uh, Alias, that started the same year. One of the big drawbacks to the first two seasons was that they focused so much on like personal live storylines. And it just didn't work. So by the third season, they scrapped it. And it's pretty much the same thing with 24. Um, I, not the, I mean, the third season still had a little bit of that. But by the time you got to the fourth season, like, we don't need to follow their personal lives. Let's just oh. follow the work stuff. And Jeez, I think a lot of shows six. just sort of, <laughs> what's that? Yeah. <laughs> Brought it back at some point. Uh, only other thing I really have to add is just um, the uh, um, the thing with uh, the, the, I forgot what I was going to add. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> This is great. Yep. We're on a clock here, Colin. We're running out of time, damn it. I don't know. I'm pulling up my work email to make sure nobody called in sick and I forgot what I was doing. Um, I have nothing else to ask. (laughs) I have nothing to declare. Um, You see, you think I'd edit that out, but I just like making fun of you sometimes, so I'm just going to leave that in. Um, I just want to say quickly with Jack, like, you know, we talk about plot's got a plot. Jack's got a Jack, right? And, like, I think this is going to be a thing with Jack, like, so much of what he does is like if you actually read into it, it's like why does he have to do that like but like again this is the selling point for this show among many things right the, the real-time format everything but like i i this is why i like this episode so much too is again as i said at the beginning like it really took me back to watching this for the first time and like you're just kind of blown away by the lengths jack goes it's kind of like how chuck norris is a thing right like when jack bauer became a real pop culture guy in the early 2000s Jack Bauer facts became a thing similar to Chuck Norris facts. And I was always team Jack Bauer facts. And like, they would always make fun of Chuck Norris facts. So like Jack Bauer could kill Chuck Norris and all that kind of stuff. Jack Bauer facts didn't last a test of time. Chuck Norris facts clearly did. <laughs> but like people do that as kind of like a cult thing because like I, I never really watched Walker, Texas Ranger or like other Chuck Norris things. But what I have seen, like it's completely outlandishly stupid, but you watch it because this guy's a fucking badass, And you're just like, wow, it's like any Arnie, Arnie movie. Like, what Arnie does, or Sylvester Stallone, or Jean-Claude Van Damme, like, if you if you absolutely rip into the, the details of it, that makes no sense. I mean, true lies. He fires a guy off a missile. You're fired. <laughs> ah! Like, but it's fucking awesome. Like, he, like, that is amazing. So this is what I think kind of, like, made me fall in love with this. It's just like, yeah, like, it's kind of stupid. It's like, why would you do this? All this sort of stuff. But, like... He's just so good. And Kiva Sutherland, like, he, he won the Golden Globe for this season for, for yeah. Best Actor in a, in a TV drama. He would later go on to win it in Season 5, I believe, for uh, the Emmy. Um, constantly nominated every year. I think Dennis Haysbert also was nominated this year but didn't win. 
um, amazing. Like, Kiwi Sutherland is so good. And, like, again, you, you're a massive Ailey's fan. I believe Jennifer Garner won it also the same year. Because mm-hmm. I remember my friend Trent, um, when he got into 24, he was a lot into Ailey's as well. And he would always go, oh, they both won Golden Globes. They're amazing. Um and it's just kind of like it's 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 that level of like acting and believability that you get from Kiva Sutherland that, you know, if Richard Berge's playing this character, I'm not believing this and buying into it as much as I am with Kiva Sutherland. And his face, like when he's kind of interrogating these guys and just like his anger levels. And I love it when he gets pulled up and he puts his hand up like, I'm all right, I'm right. Like just everything about him is just so good. Even with the luscious blonde locks that we get in this uh, episode I, of Jack. I remembered what I had to add now. Okay. <laughs> Wait for it. This is going to be good. Hold on. I'm ready. It's like mochas. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, the Jack constantly going back and forth. He's on the phone with one person saying, I've got to interrogate this suspect because they're only a lead to the assassination attempt on Palmer. And then Terry, I got to go after the suspect because it's the only lead for Kim. I feel like it kind of hurts the show a little bit that we don't really get Jack saying, my true motive is Kim right now. Uh, and I, I need to go along with this. Because it just feels like he's giving his excuse. Like, this almost, to me, played the way that they didn't intend. They wanted to be like, he's really determined because his daughter and his wife are in jeopardy. But because he's constantly going back and forth and telling people other stories, it makes it seem like, oh, he's only telling Terry about, oh, it's only because of Kim because he just wants to do his job. And I agree with that because the thing that I actually realized, too, that I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because it made me remember is that, it's a bit skyfally this episode in the fact that if you really analyze the bad guy's plans here, it's like, how does that make sense or how do they pull that off? Because let's let's quickly backtrack to realize Jackie's only on this guy right now because he happened to come across an address on a key card that led him to a place and this guy ran away from him. Like, that's all he knows. But this guy just happens to be working for Gaines and knows that his daughter's in danger and this is connected to Palmer. Now, like, that's a real thin-veiled plot to get Jack from A to B. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of, like, as entertaining as it is to watch Jack this, and again, you know, here I am just saying, like, don't analyse it too much, it's entertaining. Like... It's Skyfall. Like, Skyfall, it's like, well, how the fuck does Silver get that train to crash at that exact moment knowing Bond's going to be exactly there and that if he gets kidnapped at that exact moment, he's going to... Yeah, like, it's kind of like... It's entertaining as fuck and it's amazing because Silver's incredible. But, like, if you really try and read into it, like, wait, that makes no sense. Um, So, yeah, I think, like, you're going on about, like, revealing Palmer a little bit later. To me, it's... Reveal the connection between the Palmer um, assassination and the Kim kidnap a little bit later because I feel like you kind of jump onto mm-hmm. it a little bit too quickly here. Um, there's really not much more to talk about, really. We've kind of covered the main bits. The only bits I'll say about the the Palmer bit, so um, between Make and Mocha's, um, Palmer's... Actually, I mentioned Sherry before. Got to say, serious like a Sherry, five episodes in. I forgot how little yeah. she's in in this show right now. And Penny Johnson, Gerald, needs to be on TV more. Um, she's voicing stupid characters in Lion King movies now. Like it's a waste of the esteemed Penny Johnson Gerald. Love that woman to bits. Um, so basically, Palmer is worried, so he calls up Marine Marine Kingsley, who just happens to be in the same hotel because okay. Um, she's got. I swear, it takes her longer than ten minutes to go into the conference room. I love how Palmer's like, "There's a conference room on level three. Let's let's open it up." When we go into that conference room, there's clearly been like a wedding or something in there that they're halfway through cleaning, and that like <laughs> Palmer just kicked them out. Um, 
we find out that they've known each other for ages and that Marine basically got... She, I'm sorry, you're a terrible journalist. You do not reveal your sources, even to fucking the future president of the United States. You are fired. You are fired, Marine Kingsley. Um, she reveals her sources from the story to be Farragamo, the therapist, who again also is the worst therapist if he's leaking information to the press. And then well, also don't, the, don't you love that she's like, oh, I'm sorry, the the, the you know confidential inf- or confidential information is like, well, I'm just talking to an old friend here. And then her first thing is, oh yeah, a therapist leaked confidential information to me. Yeah, well, like I'm sorry, Colin, you're a good guy, you 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 you're one of my closest you. friends. I like you, but if I've got fucking dirt on you that you're like Hitler, <laughs> and I've got a breaking news story, and you're coming to me, Ben, you're my you're my strongest strongest ever friend blah 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 i'm like fuck i've got a story saying that you're hitler i'm gonna make it big <laughs> off this like sorry Colin. they're willing to pay me twenty thousand dollars for this and all i gotta do is kill you yeah exactly but then also i love the fact that she's like my second source is this and she like reveals an autopsy report and the handwriting expert did she just carry around this autopsy report in the case like she went into this knowing she's going to reveal information to palmer she's clearly got that in her pocket right um so okay um sure and i also love palmer's reaction here like you do what you need to do marine but you're gonna face the consequence what are the consequences as soon as she breaks this story right she's gonna be the woman who broke the story that the future president of the united states son is a killer she's fucking made it even if palmer mm-hmm. like palmer's not winning the presidency after that even if he did Palmer's basically going to turn into Trump by like, fake news, fake news, get her fired. Maureen's going to be like on fucking CNN, head anchor. Like, she's made it. Like, I'm with Maureen there. She, she's she's golden. What's what consequences is she going to face? Really, the consequence of her not revealing it is her career is over. Because she's not going to get all these exclusive interviews because she's an old friend of Palmer's. That's going to work against her. That's going to end her career. I can't, I can't give favoritism to you just because we're old friends, Maureen. Well, that's exactly it. She, she, she's gone to her editor or her producer and told them the story. If I go to my editor and I tell them a story and then I'm like, oh, actually, no, I can't do that. Sorry. Cause they're my friend. Like I I've legitimately had stories in the past where like there's been a conflict or something's come up or, you know, there's something that, and like my editor has been like, well, no, like it's too bad. <laughs> You've got this story now. If you can't get that angle, you need to get a different angle. Cause this is a great story. We know the Wait. truth. We need to publish it. Wait, what about the time that you found out the information that I threw Noah off a roof and that's not why he's not on the Oz Network anymore? You never revealed that. Thank well, you for you that, just, by the way. Good friend. You just did. So Whoa, good edit point, edit point. <laughs> no, now that it's finally come out. Uh, no, I'm you know what? That. We're recording these well ahead of time. If Noah actually turns up dead, I'm in jail by the time this episode airs. Hey, I've killed two James Bond actors, so... <laughs> I'm yeah, nobody's going to miss Noah. <laughs> yeah. By the time we release this, God, I think we're only going to be left with Idris Elba. Like, all six of them are dead. Uh, it, was, it was such a shame that they all attended Sean Connery's funeral. Like, there was George, there was Pierce, there was Timothy and Daniel, and that, that, that sniper just really hated James Bond. Like, just you're pew, 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 boom. Pew, pew. Uh, <laughs> oh, Moonraker. Pew, pew, pew. Um... So that's the Palmer plot. And then he basically, this is where I love Dennis Haysbert though. Like he's really good in that kind of reactionary uh, shot when he's reading this piece of paper. And then when he approaches Keith, like as much as Valacious Shannon uh, is Valacious <laughs> Shannon and this plot line's a bit silly. I've got to give you both of them props. This is a well-acted scene when Palmer like yeah. grabs him and shakes him and they kind of have this like realisation and he kind of walks out. Although I do love like Valacious Shannon, his whole like, I don't need to tell you that. You don't have the right to tell me. 
And then, but like the way Palmer delivers, the way Dennis Haysbert does that whole like, we can talk about my shortcomings as a father later. You like, he's just so good. Like, I, I'm gonna, I, we need to find out. Uh, maybe you can quickly look up for me who Dennis Haysbert lost in best supporting actor category in the the, uh, the Oscars, sure. the Golden Globes, because he's really, really good in this. Um, and basically, the only other bit we're going to talk about is uh, Rick and Dan and Gaines. Gaines pulls over Kim a couple of times because she's banging at the door trying to get a truck li- truck driver's uh, attention. We get a bit of a, a tease that Gaines is working for someone else again because he's on the phone to someone. And um, Gaines pulls a gun on Kim, like, stop. And, like, I love the way he kind of just puts her in the trunk. And then we get to this location and the, this, to me, is the most, this should be the cliffhanger right here, is when Rick, uh, Dan, sorry, gets killed. Basically, Gaines shows up. This is also, to a bit of a tease for next week, and it's officially next week, the whole, there are people in my organization that tell me that a girl was picked up from the, you know, like, oh, like, how does he know that Janet's not dead? Like, oh, this is intriguing. And then Dan is basically like, oh, well, maybe she wasn't sort of dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then Gaines, really, were you either dead or you're not? There's no sort of dead. Let me show you. Bang. Dead. Great. And it's like, holy fuck. Like, even I'm still to this day, like, like Rick's reaction is exactly my reaction. Like, holy fuck, he just did that. And then, like, just the, the badassery of gains. You've been promoted. Congratulations. And just walks off like, fuck, this guy's awesome. Um, Gaines is, like, oh, such an underrated secondary villain of 24. I always forget how good he is. Um, and then that's, that's the episode. Now Rick's got a promotion. Uh, Kim's shitting himself in the trunk. Uh, 24. Yeah. I forget that Gaines was this good as a villain too, because yeah. I mean, we're, we're, when we get into the next phase of villains, uh, they do overshadow him. But uh, there's certain seasons where the initial villains are more memorable than the later ones. And then this one, the Drazens will obviously end up being the stars. But I mean, this is the moment that Gaines becomes a real villain because up until now I was sort of looking back and thinking, yeah, you know, he's good. I I don't mind him, but he doesn't feel like a 24 villain. The let me show you moment makes him a 24 villain. Like that's fantastic. Um, Just the Palmer thing. I wanted to uh, note on Keith here. I agree with you. The scene uh, between Valacia Shannon and uh, Dennis Haysbert, it is fantastic. It's the first time I've actually really enjoyed Keith this season. Uh, And it makes me feel like they could have actually had more legs with his character if they had brought him back. Um, But uh, the the one thing, the discrepancy here, and you kind of mentioned about what should the cliffhanger of the episode have been. Actually, I think it was supposed to be this because I looked up the trivia before we recorded this and then I went back and checked the episode and it's 100% right. The clock comes up and says the 24 clock, and it says 4.40 a.m. And then they immediately cut to a shot of uh, Keith in bed watching his judging Amy and his alarm clock says 4.57. So this was meant to be the last scene of the episode. It would have to have been unless... There's some subplot about Keith just likes to set his clock 17 minutes fast, <laughs> which I don't know why he would. I've, I've done that. Easy way to wake yeah. up early, get out of yeah. the house early. But yeah, I think this was supposed to be the cliffhanger. And I actually would have really liked this as a cliffhanger as well. This yeah. or the, you know, Dan getting shot. I think both would have been great. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I didn't think about that one, but absolutely um, agree with you there. Just quickly, a uh, funny story. Dennis Haysbert lost to uh, Donald Sutherland. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Uh, Donald Sutherland won the Best Supporting Actor at the Golden Globes for Path to War. 
Uh, Dennis Haysbert. Which, uh, which year are you looking at? 2002. Um was the only year that uh, Dennis Haysbert was nominated for a Golden Globe. So a lot I, of people I did notice that Jennifer Garner won Best Actress that year, beating Amy Brenneman for judging Amy. So Keith oh, was pissed Amy that day. Brenneman, what an actress. Oh, God, I would do an Amy Brenneman month. We could do Daylight if we did Amy Brenneman month. You do realize that, right? Um, so, yeah, you mentioned the trivia there about that one. There's not a whole lot of extra um, bits to... And I'm just seeing if there's any first-time appearances that are memorable here, and it doesn't really look like it. Um, all the 36 characters make this. 13 objects for the first time make an appearance, including a Beretta 92 and a shotgun for the very ah. first time. Uh, I do love this, like the, the details 24 Wiki has when it comes to first appearance of this weapon. Um, it's like, okay, cool. Uh, that makes sense. Um, yeah, there's nothing else really I have overall to add on this one. Next, uh, well, before we get to next week, sorry, we're going to get to our review of the episode. I feel like we kind of always rush through the ending parts, but I mean, there's, when there's not a lot to kind of add when it comes to the, the trivia and things like that, I feel that there's not a whole lot to go over here. So that's kind of why it sometimes feels that way. Um, what are we, first of all, when it comes to a rating of this episode, Colin, you've, you've Binned it last week. Are you back onto a, a rent or a buy this week? Oh, or a this bin? Is Maybe a buy. you hated this. No, no, no. This one is definitely a buy. You're going to buy it? Yeah, I'm going to do exactly what you were going to do too, Colin Hilding. I am going to buy it as well. Uh, and I don't know if I want to put this first or second. Um, I'm actually going to put this first because I, I just feel it's kind of, again, as I've said a few times this episode, it kind of is the episode to me where it's like, you really feel like tension and excitement and like you just, it, I want to watch next episode now because of this episode. Um, Cause I don't want to mm-hmm. know if Janet's going to die. Not Janet, please. No, not Janet. Um, but like, there's just something about the tension in this episode that just brings me to a level of wow. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to put this episode at my number one rated episode as of oh. right now. We are on the exact same page. This is uh, easily my number one episode. Oh, look at that. Colin. It's like we plan this sort of that way. <laughs> um, now, our next episode, the big reveal about Alan York is finally going to happen. Uh, Jack gets a little bit more involved in the whole Kim is being kidnapped plot. And um, we get the long-awaited reunion of Jack and Terry. It's only been oh. five hours. Finally, they're back together again. Um, and Alan York. Oh, <laughs> come for the Jack, stay for the Alan York. Because... <laughs> That's what we're getting next week. Um, this is our 24 coverage. I don't need to tell you all the like and subscribe stuff. You're going to hear about that in, in just a moment. My name is Ben, and I'm going to go make some mochas. And my name is Alan York. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time
you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)